0: Commercial Property with Rethink Investing. Australia's largest and most comprehensive podcast covering all things commercial investing.
1: Hi hey everyone, how are you going? It's uh, Phil Tarrant here. You may know me, you may have heard my voice before as the host of the Smart Property Investment Show and welcome to the Smart Property Investment Podcast Network. It's a pretty wide network these days. Uh, obviously, I, I host my show a couple of days a week chatting with property investors right across the nation. We also have a number of... Uh, partner podcast we do with a whole bunch of people from across the property ecosystem. I'm pretty excited today to unveil, to launch uh, this new podcast. And it's something we haven't done before. It's a very new thing for us at Smart Property Investment. I've been wanting to do this for quite some time and trying to find the right partner that I could do it with. And I I think I've found them. The drew will be out. We'll see how we go after about sort of six or twelve issues, whether or not we're uh, we're doing this very well. But I'm pretty confident that um, we've teamed up with the right organisation to help us navigate what is commercial property. So welcome to the first instalment, the first episode of Inside Commercial Property with Rethink Investing. Joining me in the studio is uh, my co-host uh, Scott O'Neill. He's the director of Rethink Investing. Scott, how are you going? You well?
0: Yeah, very good. Thanks, mate.
1: Do you like starting things new? Is it? Uh, do you find change daunting, or do you get excited by it?
0: Well, I think if you uh, move a bit quicker than others, there's opportunity in it. So, just like commercial investing, I think we've uh, got into this space and learnt it before many, many uh, others in these recent investing times since mm. the GFC, that is. And yeah, there's just really good returns out there, good opportunities, and yeah, it's it's a fun thing to be part of.
1: It is, and you know, I I like to think I'm reasonably informed around commercial property. We don't talk enough about it or write enough about it on smartpropertyinvestment.com. So watch your space. We're going to be doing a lot more of it in the future. It's a very important asset class for for property investors or for those Looking to um, amplify their wealth creation journey. So, watch your space, and there's going to be a key focus for us moving forward. And as I mentioned, we don't have a podcast around commercial property. Now we do. Uh, That's a really good point. And we're really going to break down what it means to be investing in commercial property. So, here we are, smack bang in the middle, or or coming out of defending where you sit of the COVID crisis. What we do know now is that we're firmly in a recession. Our treasurer came out a couple of weeks ago saying, we had a quarter of negative growth in the March quarter, and we're definitely going to get a, a negative quarter in June. So, you know, technically we're in a recession, but I see some pretty good news coming out as well around how Australia's performing and how Australia's going to be one of the nations who is going to lead the COVID recovery. So, you know, glass half full, glass half empty, a lot of good news out there right now. And I always try and lean on the good news and try and shape how I go about as a property investor navigating the market that I'm in right now. So, commercial property for me and, and commercial property for a lot of our listeners may be or currently is an asset class that they like to consider. One note I would make is that, you know, I think investors by and large, particularly those who are focused on residential lending, may not be informed as well as they can be around commercial property and they therefore don't consider it as an alternative to residential property. And I think Scott, that's going to be one of our purposes, one of our core objectives in in hosting, navigating these conversations around property is to get these people better informed
0: yeah definitely. Like my biggest goal with this is just to help the everyday Australian understand commercial investing like they do with residential. And the more they understand the risks and the rewards out of this, it's just going to give them more reason to consider commercial investing earlier on in their investment journey, even for their first property. Far too often, I've seen clients of mine who are uh, previously to coming to you know my advisor agency buy a whole bunch of residential properties, they get stuck, they end up with poor cash flow situations and it doesn't actually get them to where their original goal was to create an income to retire off. So commercial property does fast track that. So that's the main reason people come to this space initially, it's for the much higher cash flow and to put those kind of numbers into perspective. you know, a 500 grand property, even with the mortgage of an 80% loan, yes, you can get an 80% loan for a commercial property at the moment, after all the rates after everything you've taken out you can still be left with you know about sort of 500 600 a week in your pocket Mm -hmm. and you know you compare that to residential you're going to be breaking even from a cash flow point of view so it's a big difference in cash flow and that should get people excited and uh you know i think the whole covid thing as well you know we're quite a while into the covid you know you know what we've seen you know since march in australia and I think the best thing about investing in this time is we can see the impact that pandemic has had on certain types of tenants and asset classes. Some have performed very well. Some haven't done so well. We'll be discussing those in these uh, podcast series as well. But like you said, there's opportunity and there's risk. You've got to Mm -hmm. work around so we can help the listeners understand those.
1: So let's chat about that quickly. And maybe, yeah, I've got to put my hand up being part of the reason this being the case. Why Why? Do Australians, when they think about investing in property, think first or mainly think first residential properties? Because that's what everyone talks about, including myself. And you know, and, and I'm trying to rebalance it now and and hopefully um, support our community in being better educated around the benefits of commercial property. But what is it? People don't like standing around a barbecue flipping sausages, talking about how great their uh, industrial unit is out in uh, Padstow or something, right?
0: Yeah, and that's exactly it. It's not a topical conversation. Everyone knows someone that's bought an investment residential property, so they talk. About it, it's mainstream. Like you go onto any, you know, news.com article, and there's always about two or three residential stories, you know, within you know a scrolling distance of the front page. Mm -hmm. And commercial, it's sort of out of sight, out of mind a lot of the time. And I guess that's one of the reasons the returns are so much better because you're dealing with investors that are very particular with their numbers, and they're not going to just jump into any deal with the hope it grows. And that's what you do with residential. It's all about buying make sure you can uh, meet the cash flow needs of the property and then hopefully in 10 20 years time it's worth a lot more that model worked over the last 50 years it's started to get harder and harder to get that quick growth in residential we've seen it since 2017 across the country the results in residential have been fairly underwhelming across the board and it's uh, you know there's a uh, many reasons for that there's you know lack of wage growth There's You know, the fact there's not as much confidence out there. We had an election. We've got the pandemic now. There's just a lot of kind of, you know, weights holding it down. And I guess where I like commercial is you don't have to get that 5 to 10% growth to make it a good investment. It's a good investment even like as long as the tenant's paying their rent, you're making a really good return on your equity. Mm. And then it will grow on top of that. So, there's lots of myths we can talk about with commercial. You know, like the one that doesn't grow as fast, that's just false. I don't know where that... Rule came from. That's probably one of those guys around the barbecue that you know heard a a story, uh, you know, about it not growing as much because a sales agent in the residential side told him that. But you know, find people you know that own commercial property and ask them how it's gone. Mm. Nearly every time, if they've held it for a long period, they've done extremely well, and they're just not as vocal about it because they are, like you said, people don't best kept secret,
1: right? They 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 want to keep it quiet and. When I look at residential property, there's a lot of bias, and you know I'm sure I've got it, um, and I'm probably aware that I, I do have bias when it comes to just investing in general, and that's what makes me the investor that I am, and that sort of shapes my decision-making. But there's a lot of bias in investing, and there's a lot of bias towards residential property, some of those myths, and we'll get into them. But I can't remember. There's a lot of emotion in residential property because, for some people, it is a home. Well, it's a home for someone. It's either they own the home, or the bank owns a fair bit of it or they rent their home from someone else. So there's a lot of emotion when it comes to residential property. You know, there is literally tens, if not hundreds, of shows, whether they're podcasts or TV shows, about renovation. Look what I did with my lovely property. I turned it from uh, an ugly duckling to something which is you know, really attractive, and look at my soft furnishings and my cushions and the paint to the walls and how much money I made on it. I don't think I've ever watched on TV a renovate my commercial property
0: no, it's more of an accountant's dream on it's a, spreadsheets. It's an accountant's it? dream. And that's the point, though, is
1: that the best commercial investors I know, uh, they've got the attitude towards investing in commercial. It's purely a business. And if you're investing in residential property, it should be a business. It is a business, but most people get stuck within this emotional connectivity with it. But if you're investing in commercial property, it is a business. You know, you look at numbers on a spreadsheet. You know, It doesn't matter what the thing looks like too much.
0: Exactly. And that's where it gets addictive because every time you buy you're effectively buying yourself a fairly large pay rise. And it's like growing a business. You know, mm-hmm. every time you buy it's another 20, 30, 40, 50 grand income that's going to be there long term and it will grow. And you know, it's all about just buying good quality assets where you know you can always find new tenants if you do lose one and you know we'll go through that stuff as well, but you know you're right. It's not relatable. It should be and that's one of the goals in this podcast because people that do not consider commercial investing are literally missing out setting themselves up for retirement and you know it's going to be a it'll be a growing thing I know it will
1: so objectives are number one potentially help people get the blinkers off and consider commercial investing number two be as informed and educated as they are around residential property as they are in commercial property and then number three really understand the risk and rewards associated with commercial property just like any good residential property investor knows so it's pretty bold ambitious plan we've got ahead of us and uh, we've got 12 issues coming online over the coming months so I'm really excited about doing this This is a a foundational episode Scott where we're sort of just playing out how this thing's going to look and And what I like about uh, doing podcasts, we can be quite fluid with them. So we can, along the way, manoeuvre our focus, how we go about talking about issues. You know, we can be really heavy on this if you want. We can be really philosophical on it if you want. We can be very data-driven on this podcast if you want. So make sure you get in touch with the team Info at rethinkinvesting.com.au. That is the best way for you to connect in with us or just click on the button uh, wherever the show notes are uh, right now and we make sure you can be sort of part of this journey as we build this out. We're gonna do some QA a episodes as well. So send your questions in. Questions about anything, you don't care? No anything. Yeah, can I put a dog in a <laughs> in an industrial property? Is that okay, Mr. Landlord? So let's get into it. Like, you know, let's go grassroots with this podcast get right stuck into some of the real sophisticated issues and concerns that smart property investors are doing in commercial property, but also maybe get back to the basics. It's always good to reflect on the basics. And I think this being the first podcast, Scott, and for a lot of our listeners who are tuning into this, probably have residential property flowing through their blood. They probably never really thought about commercial property beforehand. So let's just get some of the terms right to help shape the conversation moving forward. And let's talk about as an asset class, really, really simply. You've got residential property and you've got commercial property. So let's put residential aside for the moment. Let's talk about commercial property. What is commercial property? And let's break down the different parts of commercial property. So Scott, what is a commercial property?
0: So it's basically where a business will run itself out of. So there's three main categories of that. There's retail, office, and industrial. So at any point in time, they all move almost independently with each other. Obviously, interest rates and other macro credentials will make it move at a similar rate. But I guess one of the great things about commercial is you can pick asset classes that you're either more comfortable with and understand better or you can see more opportunity with it. So a classic example of asset classes moving at different speeds is retail versus industrial right now. COVID-19 has sped up the transition of some shop fronts onto the online platforms, which means storage and logistics. So you're going to need less retail space. All retail shop fronts might drop in rent value to make them uh, still uh, you know, a business case that that runs. And then on the flip side of that, you're going to see industrial space become more valuable. Right now, industrial space is the cheapest per square metre out of the three categories. And I think there's a lot of growth coming ahead of it. Rethink Investing is is very heavily investing in this space because we do see a massive opportunity with not just a strong current tenant market, but also, uh, you know, tenants are paying on time in full. You've got, um, you know, you generally deal with businesses that are got large infantries and, you know, the rent is actually a small percentage of their overall turnover. So retail, like a hairdresser, 50% of their cost base might be their rent. You know, in an industrial property, it might only be 5 or 10%. So they're not as sensitive to rent increases if it's a good business, you know, like a just like a supermarket they've got huge turnover but they're basically their rent is not a big cost for them as a proportion of other costs so these are the types of businesses you can start you know looking into doesn't mean you've got to buy you know a coles or woolworths but you want to buy properties that have tenants that they can afford the rent and Mm -hmm. it's it just works and this is another thing we look into from a due diligence point of view but to go back to the three you've got office space you know you've got I guess the pros and cons of that one of the good things is tenants can come quickly but they can also leave quickly and I like the fact that the tenants are clean you're generally dealing with businesses that I guess they're easy to talk to like your accountants your lawyers your marketing companies you know if they've got an, an expensive fit out you know they can stay for a very long time and you know there's no maintenance or anything like that you really have to deal with there's obviously strata there's hundreds of different types of tenants. That's another benefit. It's not single purpose type stuff. So I like office space, but there is going to be a changing of the guard, I think, where office space in the CBD areas might be in less demand in the wake of COVID, but not long term, maybe just for the medium term, because I think long term, people are going to you know forget where we're at with the pandemic and people are going to move back into the cities. People are creatures of habit. You know There might be a bit of a satellite city surge in you know, off the wake of this, as people don't want to travel on trains as long, you know, no one really has that crystal ball. And this is where you need to understand business. And this is one of the barriers that a lot of residential investors have, you know, like, I like understanding businesses, that's part of, you know, what I do. And that's, kind of led me into commercial as well like from a previous life as an engineer and a you know I was managing aggregate mines and PL statements and all that kind of stuff and that made me think you know the transition to commercial wasn't as bad or as hard as some other types of industries but if you understand business and trends and maybe you play on the stock market a lot these are benefits because if you can uh, see that side of the fence it's going to help you understand trends and investing in the right trend will actually save you from vacancies or you know you pick a winner basically. Um, Retail, retail's having a bit of a tough time at the moment. The main reason is just the social distancing issues with you know the forced closures for gyms and cafes and things in the early days and that's been tough but surprisingly like because we've helped clients purchase over 1,800 properties over the years and so we've got a really good cross-section of the current rental market and Very, very pleased to say that most, you know, I'd say I can only have a couple of handfuls of properties out of, you know, nearly 2,000 that have been affected by a tenant actually uh, having more than a 30% cut in in rent. So there's been a few, you know, say, oh, look, my revenue is down 30%. What we've done with COVID is you just do like a month to month agreement to give them a 30% discount. They've got to pay half of that back by law. You know, the rules are probably going to keep changing that space, but tenants, as a whole have been wanting to pay their rent because they value the location they're in. Remember that's their business, that's their livelihood. The idea that they're just going to not pay their rent and just throw all that away is is unlikely. And if they do that they're probably going out of business and you wouldn't have likely wanted to buy that property in the in the first place. So, you know, property tenants have been very good throughout this process if you're born into the right industry. There's going to be some good tenants and bad tenants out of all that, but as a whole, it's been very positive, but I think one of the good things about investing this side of COVID is when you do your due diligence on a on your property, you can actually see the impact COVID has had mm, on those tenants. Yeah. So, you've never had so much clarity about how strong a tenant is as you do now. If you were buying back in February, we didn't know what was going to happen. Mm. So, it was guesswork, but now you can check, you know, have they had any reduced rent, have they... Uh, Talk to the tenant, how are they going? And you can really just form a a bit of a a picture if it's a a viable business or not. And this is, you know, the next one is, I guess back to retail, you've got a lot of purpose-built type properties, you know, like imagine you've got a KFC for instance, and that's only going to work for a KFC property. So there is added risk with tenants leaving and the vacancy rates will be, I guess, higher and slower to find a new tenant in that space. But on the flip side, the tenants won't leave as easy because their fit outs are worth money. Mm. You know, they don't want to just move next door because the rent's 10% cheaper. You've got them if their business is strong and uh, you know, their fit outs worth money and that's going to keep them there. So, retail can be a good investment still. You just got to pick the right ones. Retail can include you know, things like allied medical. You know, you might have your physiotherapist or your dentist, you know, like so, you know, dentists have fit outs that can be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, mm. that's why you tend to see a dentist in its same location. Twenty years later, from when you were, you know, much younger, you, as a kid, you see the same dentist still there you with know. the same machines, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> Sammy
1: sucker still powered by <laughs> steam, and but, but, you know what? You talk about retail, um, and. How you know the best assets, the attractive assets are those which are multi use. But I've seen plenty of real estate agents in old Pizza Hut buildings, right? You know, everyone knows a Pizza Hut building by the roof line on it, right? So they go quite well. So, so that industrial, commercial, and retail industrial, there's a number of different types of industrial depending on the use of it all. But and we'll get stuck into that. In more detail later on and why you would be choosing maybe industrial investment versus a commercial investment versus a retail investment. But just while we're on our first podcast and being clear about we want to stay within our lane, you said commercial property definition is essentially where a a business takes place, where, where some sort of commercial activity takes place. There's going to be some things that we don't cover in this, which are probably outside of the scope, but I'm not going to say they're not good investments. We're not talking about golf courses. We're not talking about Caravan parks. parks, we're not talking about water slide locations, you know, this is outside the scope. We're not talking about, you could argue that a farm is a commercial property because you make money from farming, but we're not going to go that way, are we?
0: No. And look, there are single usage type commercial properties that could be almost like a fourth category, and that would be like your service stations, your child cares, you know, those one size type tenancies, which we can go through the pros and cons of those. I, I don't really personally like buying those types of properties or for my clients just because if you lose that type of tenant or another competitor gets built next to you, it can just permanently ruin that business. And that I guess relatability is the key for me as an investor because I'm conservative. I want to know that even if the tenant looks great, I'm planning for the worst-case scenario that they're going to go out of business next week, which they won't, but if they did, how quickly could you find a new tenant? And that's where you get those multi Purpose, maybe even a multi income type property, mm. you're going to sleep easier and it just takes a lot of that perceived risk out of it. If you're buying a, a childcare and the next door neighbor gets zoned childcare and then they build one, you know, that's trouble. So we like to avoid those. Sounds types. like a
1: minefield. So hopefully we can help people uh, navigate this. And then, you know, we spoke about how people, by and large, when generalizing, are less informed about commercial property versus residential property. Let's just touch on Scott while we're at it. So, we just, you know, people can come back to this episode if they ever want to sort of get checks and balances and and get some of the fundamentals sorted out. The benefits of commercial property in comparison to residential property, and I just don't want us to be pro commercial all the way and say commercial is better than residential for these reasons. I want it to be nice and balanced, right? So, pros and cons of commercial versus residential.
0: Yeah. And look, full disclosure, I like both. You've mm. got to have both, I think. you know. I've never really met many pure residential investors that have gone big with their portfolio without commercial. And I haven't met many commercial investors that have never bought residential. Mm. So you do need a bit of both. The benefits of residential is less money down. And I think if you get residential wrong, there's just a bit more of a safety net because you've got the owner-occupier market, which is actually very strong in commercial too. So it's not it's not one way there, but you can do 10% deposits with residential, as you know. You you know, it's People can be quite familiar with their local suburb and even if you've got no investor mindset, you can actually still do okay with residential if you just understand the common sense of living in a house and why people want to live in a location. Not everyone is programmed to like to understand business cycles and, you know, I guess the upside or downside of things. So, you know, if you go in cold into commercial you can get burnt you know like we all know those properties that have been on you know the side of a highway that's been vacant for two years Mm. you know it's vacant for two years for a reason it's a dud product you know there's no reason a business would want to operate out of there they wouldn't want to pay the rent that's been offered so you've got to really understand why the commercials sit vacant for long and then obviously avoid them you know completely but residential it does have bigger safety nets you can put less money down Cash barrier to entries is probably the other biggest thing holding people back from commercial. Generally needs at least 25, 30% deposits. You know, there are some bank products out there where you can put 20% down cash and loan the rest, but, you know, that's already double the price. And, you know, the price of commercial can, you know, it could be anything really, you know, it could be a $300 million asset to a $300,000 little uh, man cave, you know, there's all sorts of ranges. So... If you don't know where to look to find the cheaper stuff, that could make you think, oh, look, I need to be a millionaire to buy a commercial. So it's just the lack of, I guess, understanding. And that is a danger with commercial, which is what we'll try to address in this. But residential tenants, they come quicker as well and, and can leave faster as well. But yeah, like I said, it there's a lot more, there's a lot more information out there that people Can uh, relate to it easy, and that creates a bit of a safety net Mm. and lower the barrier to entry is the big thing. And there's just more to choose from as well. There's a lot more residential stock out there worth buying than commercial. Like commercial is a, it's quite a niche market. And you know, yes, you can go onto realcommercial.com and find lots of properties for sale, but most of them you wouldn't want to buy. A lot of them are vacant, marketing for owner occupiers. So as an investor, that rules out all those as well.
1: So I think one of the episodes we'll do, Scott, will actually take our listeners down the journey on how to assess a commercial asset, starting at realcommercial.com.au and then what you look at and how you look at it. I think that'll be a really good episode. And by the way, most people think commercial property is really foreign. Most people actually are exposed to commercial property in some sense. If they've got a retail or an industry fund, they've probably got their money tied up in a commercial asset somewhere. So what we're not talking about is a whole different world of commercial here, and that is the big institutional investors who own full you know, tower blocks and stuff like that. That we're out. This is outside of the scope of this conversation, isn't it?
0: Yeah, we're mostly looking at direct investments. So you know, we can touch on syndicate purchases and uh, managed fund purchases. Mm. Um, but I think one of the, uh, I guess, you know, in reach of most people, and, and what I like is buying directly because you get full control over the property. If you understand what you're doing, you can get better returns out of that compared to getting into a big managed fund because managed funds have fees, annual fees, monthly mm. fees, there's a lot of fees in there, but if you own the property yourself, you know, you've got your bank interest and the tenant will pay all the other costs. So there's less fees and if you buy well and control it fully, there might be value add opportunities you can just do yourself. You know, I think the opportunity to make money out of it is better if you understand exactly what you're doing and find the right asset. So direct investments is I guess the focus of this, yeah, problem. and it's
1: much better. Direct is a much better term than like you use, you know, benny round terms like mum and dad investors, and that's normally a an indicator of people just everyday Australians who are looking to create wealth with a few bucks in their back pocket and looking to use that to better what their retirement would look like. This sort of mum and dad investors, but I must prefer direct investments. We'll continue with that. So people might be going, hey, this sounds really good. Really excited about this new podcast. Really want to learn about it. I probably need to get up the scratch a little bit. In their own education, and, you know, let's have a chat about that really quickly. To invest in commercial property, like residential property, you need to think like a business person, right? It doesn't matter on the asset class. If you're doing any of this emotionally, stop now and don't listen to this podcast. Go somewhere else and watch a renovation show, right? You're going to blow your dough. So you've got to think and operate like a business owner. Investing in commercial property is different to residential in that you need to start to understand business and how business operates and how organizations operate. So you need to actually start understanding and thinking about some key themes, some key um, building blocks of, or foundational building blocks to get this right. You need to actually understand what a and l is. That's profit and loss. You need to understand what a balance sheet is. You need to understand what cash flow is. These are if there are three terms that you've never heard about, you don't know anything about, stop now, go and get educated and come back to this podcast because like that is basic building block stuff. You don't even know what that stuff is, you shouldn't be touching commercial property. What else do you need to know? What reading would you be doing or what further education would you be doing so you can most extract the best value out of our discussions?
0: Well, look, when I first started, so like real quick backstory of myself, I invested in, you know, a dozen or so residential properties before getting into my first. I was, you know, I I liked cash flow from the start because I I saw uh, some people close to me lose a lot of money in the GFC that were, you know, basically negatively gearing a lot and when you uh, don't get the growth over the next 12 months and have to sell one or two, all of a sudden you can lose quite a bit of money quickly. So I was always programmed to make sure I got high cash flow. You know, house and granny flats were the starting point. Then small unit blocks in regional areas were the next. But the yields were getting harder to find in residential. So commercial was the next step. I basically went for about 18 months of just nonstop reading on the internet. There's not much stuff out there. I never read a book on the topic. It was really just talking to a lot of commercial agents, you know, just trying to get understanding why they value the rent, why they did. You know, you've got to, so square meter rates, you've got to find and comparable square meter rates. So if you've got a, you know, a really nice corner office, which has got like a a Ray White type business in there, like a a real estate agency, you know, that might be uh, slightly more valuable than the one around the corner with no foot traffic because it doesn't have the window frontage. So you've got to start to be able to value the square meter rates for those types of things. And just talking to agents helped me, I guess, bridge that gap. And then I understood why rent was the value it was. And the next step is you want to look at, uh, I guess, supply in the area. So, if they're building lots of buildings in that same area, it could be a good thing because it might be bringing new, like a Bunnings type tenant into there like, and like that will lift the whole industrial area because it's just more people, more businesses supplying around it. So, you've got to sort of look at DAs and I guess the same stuff you look at with residential. You Why are you investing in an area? Because there's growth. So, we want to see those same fundamentals with commercial. So, the other side is you want to look at the tenant and understand why they're in that location. Have they missed any payments? So a big thing I look at is trying to get an understanding what their last twelve months of payment history looks like. Try get proof of it. You know whether it's a bank statement that's been itemized for that. You know their rental income and they've you know covered all their personal details, but you can see that the exact amount of rent's been deposited in the first or second of every month. And if they've done that throughout this period with COVID plus the twelve months prior that's a really good indication you're going to get to the decimal point, that exact rent for that year, which you know that will just get rid of a lot of the uh, you know, lack of confidence you may have. If you see the tenants paying and they've got you know three or four years left on a lease, that's a big tick. Incentives, this is a, a thing you need to look at when you've got a lease. Sometimes there is an incentive in the lease and that might be three months free rent to get them in in the first place to help with their fit out cost. Incentives aren't bad things, but you want to know if the incentive is excessive. Why did they might have just done whatever they could to get the tenant in there. Mm. You know, loaded rents is something I've seen when a owner is selling back. Uh, let's say they're trying to free capital up for their business. They're going to just take a lease on it for five years, pump up the rent, sell it. When they bump the rent up, they're bumping the price up. So you need to really understand those square meter rates, and that's probably the biggest thing from a novice point of view. If you are really comfortable with the square meter rates, the chances you'll overpay are a lot less. Mm. And then you can actually find under market properties like that as well. So we often find properties that are 10 to 15% below the market rent because they've just had a long-term tenant that hasn't kept up with the market rate. That's an opportunity for a value add or a bit of instant equity because as soon as you get them up to the market rate, and you take your time doing that, you don't just buy it and knock the lease off and get the rent up, it might be when the I guess the lease expires, you can basically get them up to the fair rent, and a valuer will appreciate that and give you a better valuation because of it. So, valuations are generated off the fair market rent, the cap rate. So, that's another thing you've got to work out what the local capitalization rate is. So, in Sydney, most commercials might be four or 5%, Melbourne's three to 5%, Brisbane, six to 7%, 8% 7%, 8% maybe if you're lucky, mm-hmm. Adelaide, 6 to 8%, Perth, 6 to 7%. These are just rough numbers. There's exceptions to these, of course. But every area and every asset class has its own cap rate. So medical properties have lower cap rates because people will pay more for the same rent. So if you're collecting 60,000 rent for a news agency, someone might pay 700 grand for 60,000 rent. But if that's a dentist on a 10-year lease, you might pay a million dollars for that 60,000 rent. So that's your cap rates. And then outside that, you just got to understand fit out costs, you know, who owns it, what you can depreciate on, age of building. And then all the rest is just similar to residential, you know, the supply demand, you know, every assets different. and That's probably what turns a lot of people off. You really got to enjoy digging through it. But when you do, you will get better returns out of it. It's Mm. extra work and it's harder to find those deals like, you know, it is much like, 70% Seventy percent of the properties we buy for clients are off market, and that's even getting higher this year. We're probably closer to eighty percent. So there's a bit more legwork you're going to have to do with agents in terms of you know finding out a local agent, say semi-off market properties or whatever it is. Just get a relationship, just like when you buy a house to mm-hmm. live in, you're going to get to know the agents in your area. It's a similar setup, but it is worth the effort if you do. You know, it's not like you're going to be buying a commercial property every few weeks. It's when you do it, you do it properly. And you will do well out of
1: it. And that's it. You know, you've got to want to invest in commercial and immerse yourself in commercial to be an effective commercial investor. And you know, we've just chatted through a a number of different sort of components of it. And and Scott sort of run past him. I think what what'll be really good, Scott, is that we get a bit of a glossary together for people, and we'll put it up on. On, um I don't know if you've got one on Rethink Investing it website. No, the, good idea It's good idea. Yeah. Let's get that done or on smartprint we you will do the same. Get that glossary up there. But you've got to be across all these terms. And my recommendation is if you're foreign to it all, if you never looked at it, if you didn't do year ten economics or year twelve economics and you don't know, you know, the top from tail from a pL or balance sheet or cash flow or any of this sort of stuff, go and start educating yourself on it. And my recommendations in that regards is just go and do let download, download any annual report from any of these ASEX listed business, big organisations, right? But you know, by and large, the numbers will be a lot larger, but the way they're structured is pretty consistent with good accounting practices. So start working out how p ls work, balance sheets work, assets, liabilities, and you get yourself across business. It's so absolutely critical. Then what I would also do, I've negotiated personally a lot of Commercial leases. So, I'm very familiar with all the different nuances. A commercial lease is an absolute nightmare. You know, there are so many different components of it which can shape, you know, as a tenant, I'm talking about your capacity as a tenant, but also for the actual owner, the landlord, how they can value their asset. There's a whole bunch of different reasons why they will frame or shape things a particular way to change the asset value of something and therefore their ability to borrow. So, much like residential lending, you also got rental guarantees in commercial. So, you've got to be right across all of this stuff as well. You know, where does it start or stop? You know, we're going to get into this over the next sort of 12 months as we navigate commercial lending. And you've probably got a whole bunch of questions already, so make sure uh, you get in uh, touch with us. But, um, you know, we don't want to be biased on residential property. We don't want to be biased on commercial property. We want to educate. And that's absolutely critical. And you touched on this really quickly, Scott. How big an impact has COVID been? And you said no one's got a crystal ball, really, so we don't know what's going to happen. But... Do you have greater concerns? I guess the base question is, and what most punters are probably thinking about, do you have any base concerns about commercial real estate moving into the future post-COVID than what you did prior to it?
0: Uh, Look, I've actually been quite surprised how, I guess, good things have been considering I was expecting a lot worse. There's some markets which are performing worse than others, like the CBD office space, but, you know, your Sydney and Melbourne ones are probably going to be the hardest hit because they rely on a lot of overseas migration, immigration coming over, and that number is going to be much lower over the next few years. And then, obviously, the fear of public transport is going to keep more people away from CBD Is that the office. new FOMO? Is it fear of... Yeah, anyway, <laughs> yeah. fear of public transport. Oh, anyway, they, they I, I, more- I, by, by the way, I've had fear of public transport about the last 10 years. you know? you got your car spot here, don't you? I've got a car spot here. <laughs> and,
1: I, and I can say that because I spent all of my early life on a train, on the. Uh... I
0: hope your staff have parking. <laughs> you
1: have got to sort that out. I think some people have parking. <laughs> Public transport's great. I think it's it's a really important part when identifying a good commercial asset because you need to get to it. But anyway,
0: <laughs> definitely. And look, look on the COVID thing as well. Like you remember, the commercial leases are two, three, five, ten-year leases. So much longer term. The lease is still valid. This COVID is a temporary thing we hope and um, you know these businesses like we've even had some gyms pay full rent throughout this whole period and you think why and it's because they actually really like the location they know and it's a short-term pain there's obviously JobKeeper that's helped with you know cutting out some of those fixed costs they've got but you know I think a lot of the businesses are with people that are you know entrepreneur types that have started up they want to do the right thing and they've got you know I guess we're only investing in strong businesses anyway so Mm. if you can't Cope with a 20 or 30% cut in revenue instantly, that's probably not a good business. So, you know, that's probably why we've come out of this more unscathed than I would have thought. Um, some businesses have thrived. Like we bought this one for a client the other day. It was like a scooter manufacturing business. They did more business in the last two months than they did in the previous six months. And I think it was more like the previous eight months. Are we talking like? lime scooters you know the are the, we talking like a like a vespa scooter or you know the, oh, the, the little uh, like a proper kid scooter, type, kid's like, scooter like a
1: adult's version of a yeah. kid's scooter
0: yeah. yeah and i've heard a lot of like bike manufacturers and th- like i know that's a silly little example but there's a lot of businesses that are done really well out of this mm. and um i guess you just got to maneuver around the ones that are not doing well and buy the good ones and you know all this stuff. It does sound quite hard, like you're mentioning about like lease negotiations and things like that. But you can outsource all of this. Yeah. You know, like it is it's a lot not- of
1: tenant representatives to do that sort of stuff, yeah. and you can engage them to negotiate. You know,
0: if you have a really good rental manager in your in your back pocket, then you're basically protected as well. And they're like another person that will help do all things on property. You know, like there's. Obviously, uh, your accountant can help with uh, with things about sort of setting up structure-wise. So th- this and- is the
1: A-team, right? And it's going to be, one of our episodes is going to be about, like we talk about in residential investing, you need a, a good buyer's agent, good mortgage broker, a good accountant, a good financial planner potentially. You also need to create your own A-team when it comes to investing in commercial property.
0: Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. You need a mortgage broker that does a lot of commercial loans. Because mm. I remember when I bought my first commercial property, I had a residential broker that didn't really Do much commercial, and he kept talking me out of it and saying, "Oh, yeah, buy another residential." You know, because it was easy; it was his core business. But you know, if you've got an account that doesn't like commercial property, they're going to talk you out of it too. You've got to have that right team around you, and an expert commercial mortgage broker is is someone that really can actually help you maximize your serviceability. So you Mm. can actually stretch your lending quite far with commercial. It's a lot more scalable because you remember every property you buy you're increasing your income. So if you've got the right loan terms and the right interest rates and the right lender, you can actually go very large with this. So
1: it's income generating rather than like a lot of property investors they get on a path of negative gearing, which isn't a strategy by the way, but the idea with commercial is that it should be contributing to positive cash flow as a property investor.
0: Yeah, and it's about the loan terms. Like mm. if you've got a 5-year loan term, that means you've got to pay it back in 5 years. So that's going to look rubbish for serviceability. But if it's a 30 you know, your principal stretched out nice and long and you've got, the, you know, a large cash flow coming in and that's increasing at 3 or 4% per annum, that's going to pay itself off very easily. And, uh, you know, one thing we sort of show as well when we present a property is how long it takes to pay itself off. You know, a commercial property at a 70% debt with a, you know, a 7% net yield will actually pay itself off in about 12 years. So that's you contributing nothing. You're just putting it back into the loan. You're mm. probably not gonna do that. You'll spend it or buy another property, but what residential property pays itself off? And that's one of the huge differences. And with super, you know, you've got a self-managed super fund. If you've got over 200 grand in there, that's a free commercial property. That's how mm. I look at it. Cause you can get a loan, buy it. By the time you retired, it's paid itself off. And then whatever it's renting for at that time, that's your new income. And you know, there's quick results when you get it right. And you know, many strategies we can look at.
1: There. Yeah, and I think we will do. And, and, you know, again, we're just going over a whole bunch of pretty complicated components of investing in commercial property. So we'll get stuck into all these different bits and bobs over the coming sort of period of time. But 40 minutes we've been at that, that's flown by, you know. I mean, haven't even commercial property the surface. School. Hope everyone's enjoying Inside Commercial Property with Rethink Investing. As we navigate commercial property, we're going to cover off all these different theories, these different principles, philosophies tactical stuff for you to get this right. And I'm going to end this podcast with asking Scott something about that. But what's the best way for people to ask questions if they want to know more about us? We've got any suggestions for us. What do they do?
0: Uh, probably reach out just to info at You can go through to the website rethinkinvesting.com.au and there'll be bars you can fill out and we'll get back to you with questions. But yeah, we're happy to answer any specific questions on certain types of assets because there's hundreds of different types of them. We can talk about, you know, different types of owner occupier spaces in commercial. But, you know, what we do is we just help people do due diligence on commercial properties. And, you know, I think that's the biggest thing. We don't want anyone just to rush into this space. It, you know, I took 18 months to purchase my first property and put a huge amount of time into it. This is not. Just uh, you know, a call to action to go out and buy a commercial property. You know, there are ways to fast track that, such as using a buyer's agent, where you know you can basically do the research um, through an expert like that. But yeah, look, it's a space that I think you know we'll, we can help you go along the journey with.
1: So I guess a big part of this podcast is educating, education, getting people to think differently about commercial property, being more informed about it. And thanks for coming and sharing your knowledge and one of the best things about property i see is that you know a lot of people that work within it are just happy to share their knowledge but you also people actually want to use you guys to help them find something you can do that as well
0: yeah and look that's our biggest thing is the amount of off-market stock so we've got you know hundreds of agents out there that work with us regularly so they send us a lot of the very best stock pride going online and that's why i mentioned sort of 70 to 80 percent of our stuff doesn't hit the market and uh you know if you're just looking to not spend the next, uh, you know, year of your life learning about something, there is a fast track way. But the key for all our clients is we want you to learn about the asset. There's no point just going, I want a property and not understanding it. Like the more you know, the more you'll appreciate it. And you can actually see the return on your equity as being so much better when you do get it right. So, you know, we want people to actually understand what even that means, return on equity, because this is about making money for a client through cash flow and and uh, there's ways to uh, understand that better than others.
1: That's good. So let's finish with this a bit of a hypothetical. And by the way, and I, I really don't really like disclaimers, but and but there is one that's played after this podcast, which is the official one, but it's just a couple of guys talking about uh, commercial property. We're not giving any advice per se, we're just talking about ideas and some examples around it. But you need to make sure you make informed decisions. And my recommendation is you go and speak to the experts and speak to your trusted advisors to make sure you do that appropriately. So, Sorry about the disclaimer, but that's the way it is. We're just having a chat about property bit. But on to that end, I got a three hundred grand. I'm happy to borrow 70%. So I've got a million bucks to play with. Mm-hmm. I want to invest in commercial. What do I do right now?
0: Well, there's two options. You'd either split that 150, 150 by two uh, more affordable commercial assets, maybe 450, 500 grand worth. Benefits of doing that is you've got two different tenants. The negatives are there's two smaller tenants which have a little bit more risk than, uh, say, your million dollar tenant would. You would want a minimum, you know, six, seven percent net yield. So that rules out for me, Sydney and Melbourne at this stage because I like buying very good cash flow. That's the reason most people go into commercial in the first place. So there's uh, every other capital city works with those numbers. So, um, you know, you let the deal dictate what you do. So it's not about, oh, I'm going to only invest in industrial. You know, you might find a, it's just whatever comes through the door and you can then look research the tenant and you might find that business owner is incredible at what they do and they've spent 500,000 on a fit out all of a sudden that you might go retail but you know i like the idea of going into the million dollar property because you get one good quality tenant which might have a longer lease you might have a slightly higher yield the more you spend the generally the less competition you have so that's a question i get asked a lot and you think you know under 500 grand there's a lot of competition 500 to a million there's still a lot Once you start getting to, you know, the one to two million, it starts to get a bit tighter because people are slower at making decisions because it's their one big purchase. Over two million, there's some breathing room. The institutional buyers really start coming in over five mil. So, you know, there's just different types of assets in that space. But, um, you know, I think the returns you can get even at a five hundred grand deal, are very good in this current market. So it is not just for the rich. You just got to make sure you don't take unnecessary risk when you go cheap. So, like residential property, the sort of assets you're looking at is going to be dictated by
1: your ability to fund it. And you know, playing in that sort of sub five million and above two million, there's probably not, probably a lot of less plays in that space than the sub five hundred. And just for for our listeners who are going, oh, okay, this all really interesting. Like I know what five hundred grand is in a residential property immediately, right? Like because I'm so familiar and stuff with it. But people might not get the same for for commercial. What does five hundred grand get you in a commercial property?
0: So it'll get you a hundred to two hundred square meter warehouse with a little mezzanine in there, little uh, you know forty square meter office that's suitable for electrical contractors to you know cool room storage type properties to next day delivery properties to you know any type of kind of trade related business yep you might go small retail you know like a little uh hearing clinic you know specialist type stuff like that you can go regional and get things like banks and think you know all those kind of big branded things
1: yeah banks are uh, five grand regionally can you yeah. yeah yeah yeah
0: i don't personally invest in banks but um yeah, Single use, I guess. But. Single use, and they're sort of reducing footprints in many areas. So, mm. got to be a bit careful with that. Leases are getting shorter in that space. But, you yeah, know, there is some very good deals. In terms of office space, there's a lot of 500 grand offices out there. But do you buy them? I probably would steer more towards your suburb type offices where you've got in your satellite local. areas and that sort of stuff there. Longer term tenants, they're there because their home's there. It's, you know, a little bit longer term. So, yeah, it's, there's a million different types of tenants you can get for that.
1: Well, there we go. So a little bit less than an hour, but we cover the whole gamut of uh, commercial property as a foundational episode. So I really look forward to this, Scott. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this. And uh, remember, uh, get in touch, uh, info at rethinkinvesting.com.au, uh, rethinkinvesting.com.au. It's where you can go out and you can check out what Scott does and what his business is all about. But um, you know, to my point earlier, it's good we've got this going. I've been getting feedback for many years about, Phil, can you start doing more commercial stuff? So I'm happy that we're on that way now when, and we made this commitment. We're investing in building this podcast so you're more informed and hopefully you can widen your perspective towards the type of assets available to you and how you may be able to amplify your ability to diversify outside of residential property into commercial property. So this will be a big theme and we'll even get some people on and have a chat with us about how they've done that. We can do that,
0: can't we? Of course. Bring some uh, clients, some uh, all different stages of their journey, for sure.
1: Yeah. We like telling stories and and that's Investor Stories is where it is at. Thanks for joining us, everyone. That is the first episode of Inside Commercial Property with Rethink Investing. Hope you enjoy it. Remember to reach out, let us know what's going on, and we'll be back again next time.
0: Until then, bye-bye.